0: me ellie gibson comedian journalist and let's be honest person who drinks too much i'm on a mission to sort my own shit out starting with cutting down on the amount of booze i'm necking helping me out with this is stephanie chivers coach trainer mentor and supporter of people who want to make alcohol insignificant i've got sort of different things from each guest but also some things i wasn't expecting like there you know there wasn't judgment from the sober people and or, or indeed the academic people um, it, it was just really interesting to learn um, how maybe we have it's okay to have different attitudes to alcohol because we're different people and we have different characteristics and different lifestyles and all of that Ellie is a journalist, broadcaster
1: and comedian and yes she explored her drinking habits by sharing her story with
0: special guests on a podcast I wanted to sort it out but I didn't want to go sober because um, I know loads of people have done that and they say it's amazing and it's brilliant and I love all that. But I, it wasn't. I've, I've done it for like a month at a time when I was training for something or something. But I, but I missed. I did miss wine and I really like drinking. So I wanted to. But I, I, it did feel out of control a bit. So I wanted to look at that.
1: Some tough rules have helped her discover there are
0: benefits to reducing drinking. You know just how I feel a bit better on a Monday morning if I didn't drink for a full eight hours on Sunday you know and appreciating that being aware of that. Welcome to the next round the club soda
1: podcast about what happens next when you change your drinking and change is the key word for us. Our goal is to help you get to a place where you are happier with the role alcohol plays in your life and it may be that cutting down is what works for you. But it does not matter whether you are sober or moderating your drinking, the sense of loss and the time you gain can broadly be the same. Focusing on the future you and the things you do with your time is important whatever your goal. In this podcast we talk to people about what they did next. Did their day job hold the key to exploring their new habit or did they delve back into their past and reignite a lost passion? Either way, they have shown that there is a different life awaiting you once you've put alcohol in its place. It can lead to a life-changing shift in what you do, or a short project like creating a podcast series, which is what Ellie Gibson did. Her helpful and fun podcast would not have happened if she had not set aside time to explore her drinking with the amazing Stephanie Chivers. One half of Scrummy Mummies, Ellie has been podcasting for over 10 years, but what made her reflect on Changing Drinking? We talk wrestling names, drinking and podcasting. Hello Ellie, how are you? Hello Laura, I'm very well. Good, it's been a while since I was on your podcast and this is the return match that I promised you at the time.
0: I like this, I like this. This is the, yeah, I, I've, been, I've been going to watch wrestling lately and I, I, there's a lot of storylines. I love it when people come back in. So yeah, this feels like this. What would your wrestler name be? I
1: don't know. I've been working on drag names in the shop, though, because there's a lot of um, really interesting um, drink related names. So, for example, there's a company that dealkalizes wine that's called Bev Zero. And I think that's an awesome drag name. <laughs> and then there's two pieces of beer draft equipment. called a, One's called a Linda and another's called a Blade. And I thought Linda Blade
0: would be an awesome drag name as well. Linda Blade would be an awesome name, full stop. I love that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think I'm definitely better at drag names and wrestling names. <laughs>
0: you have a wrestling name um i don't but i'd like to repeat so i just um just this morning i recorded an episode of the scummy mummies podcast with mandy hickson who is one of the first female fighter pilots she's amazing and i asked her to give me a call sign like in top gun and she said jet wash because i haven't I i've got the world record for the um longest time playing power wash simulator on the playstation 5 so jet wash so, i mean i don't like to talk about it laura obviously I don't like to go on about it
1: no, but you also you also do lots of, of Lara Croft stuff. And if I was to you no know, no go anywhere in gaming, Lara Croft is where it's at. Right? Exactly.
0: She's still the most popular video games character of all time. That's all you need to worry about. So yeah, I'd I'd go with Jet Wash for the wrestling as well. I think that would work. Jetwash, what was it? Jetwash B's Linda Blade. Is that what we're saying? Linda Linda Blade. I like it. Yeah,
1: that's where we are. <laughs> I mean, you're a broadcaster and a comedian and a and a Twitcher as well. Is it Twitcher? Twitch. Does it does it allow at the end?
0: I'm a streamer. I'm a streamer, but I don't. I like my dad calls it. Says I'm a twitcher, and so you know, who, who am I? to criticize? So you're
1: used to to doing all sorts of things creative. So when you explored your drinking recently, you lent into doing a podcast, which is where I I met you. But why would you? Why podcasting? Why do, do you do you put everything onto a podcast, Ellie? My
0: entire life. That's right. Yes, I did once uh, film my smear test for Instagram stories. But that's a story for another time. Yeah, I started doing well, I started podcasting, in fact, over a decade ago, because I I first started when I was a games journalist, like at work, we did a games podcast. And then um, I met Helen Thorne at a stand up gig about 10 years ago. And we started doing a parenting podcast because it was a new thing then. There weren't any podcasts that kind of, you know, there were lots of podcasts and they were all American. There were a few podcasts saying, you know, this is how to burp your baby or whatever. But there was none just sort of moaning and laughing about how awful parenting is. So that's where Scummy Mummies came from. So I've been doing that a long time. And I just really enjoy it. I I love meeting people like yourself. I love an excuse to sort of, Basically, it's like asking people out, isn't it? It's sort of like asking them on a date because you just get to talk at them or to them for with them for an hour. Um, but it's not as weird as going. Can we just go for a coffee? Because sometimes people that can be weird. So I really love podcasting. Uh, I think it's really fun.
1: Podcasts are also a good way if there's a subject you don't know a lot about to lean in and explore a subject, which I guess is what you did with Stephanie, right on the on your podcast. Remind me what it was called. I can't even remember what it was called now.
0: Sort your shit out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That.
0: Uh, with Stephanie Chivers and occasionally Laura Willoughby that's was, that was the photo.
1: we're big fans of Stephanie. she knows her stuff around change drinking really well. Why did you decide to because for you it was about exploring your drinking habits, wasn't it?
0: Yes, yeah, so I started working with Stephanie, not with any sort of view to do in a podcast. I was basically I was I, me and my husband started drinking too much in lockdown and um, not not a story I'm sure will be unfamiliar to many people. I wanted to sort it out. But I didn't want to go sober because um, I know loads of people have done that and they say it's amazing and it's brilliant and I love all that. But I it wasn't. I've, I've done it for like a month at a time when I was training for something or something. But but I missed. I did miss wine and I really like drinking. So I wanted to but I, I, it did feel out of control a bit so I wanted to look at that and I did want to explore maybe should I go sober I was aware that you know that might be an end result of working with Stephanie I might decide to do that but I wanted to if I was going to do that I wanted it to be a really informed decision so anyway so I did this thing with Stephanie where we had some one-on-one um, coaching sessions actually my husband was doing it at the same time so that was quite good so we not not on the same zooms but he was also working with Stephanie in his own meeting so And I just found I found the whole thing really fascinating. And I thought she was amazing. I loved what she had to say. It made total sense to me. I love how honest she is and experienced. And just um, she really made me think about stuff and really taught me so much useful stuff. And I just thought, well, it would be nice to share this, wouldn't it? There must be other people out there who are interested in this and in the same situation and I sort of started focus testing it on friends and stuff and people were like, yeah, that sounds like me. I want to cut down on my drinking and I know I have to look at why I'm drinking so much, but I don't necessarily want to go full 12 steps. I just wanted to share what I'd learned with Stephanie really.
1: Because it's interesting that you found it so fascinating because if you're still in the place where you might want you want to carry on drinking. It can you can feel quite resistant to that process because you're worried that some somewhere someone might tell you that that really you should give up. Did you have natural resistance or were you quite open? Or, you know, what is it that you found fascinating?
0: Yeah, I was definitely very concerned that Stephanie would tell me I just had to give up, but I was very honest about where I was with my dream because I just I was to be frank, I was spending money on it, and I thought there's no point investing in this, and it's I, I know it's not going to work. We're not truthful about it. I didn't it wasn't a lot of resistance in in some ways it was sort of less harsh than I was expecting in terms of I would say things like, oh, look, last week, Stephanie, that day I said I wouldn't drink on Wednesday. And then I went and I went to this thing and I did have two glasses of wine and she'd go, yeah, but you had two glasses of wine and you didn't black out or fall over or get in your car or vomit or, you know, and then you started again the next day and that's, that's all right. And that was sort of a relief to kind of go, oh, it's not all or nothing necessarily if you if you mess up. And what I really learned from that actually was that the trick is, for me anyway, um, if you mess up, not to use that as an excuse to mess up further. <laughs> so not to have those two glasses of wine and go, oh, well, today's ruined. I can't tick that off on my calendar. I might as well go all in and have a, like three bottles. And that's one of the things I've I've learned to do now do you feel you've got
1: to a place where you're happy or you still feel like you're a work in progress
0: it's a work in progress and there are definitely days where I think god you know what if I just quit if I do just go sober this will be easier because I won't have to have the weekly conversation with myself about what days am I going to drink and how am I going to drink and that is that is work but on the other hand I still I just love having a glass of wine with dinner sometimes the difference is now I don't do it all the time. Do you know what I mean? I like having a cold beer after a gig sometimes. I think I've sort of decided that's the price that I need to pay is to, to keep working on it and keep thinking about it. And I know for, I know a lot of people have gone sober and have gone, I couldn't do that. And I found that too boring. And my life is much easier and better. Now I'm just fully sober. And I can see that. But for me, it's it's about weighing it up.
1: What I'm hearing is, is that you've got a number of strategies and that you're working hard on those strategies. Is that what you're doing?
0: Yes, I think strategies and also rules. I do have rules, like I don't drink on a Monday anymore, even if I've had a stressful shit Monday, or even if you know whatever. I don't do that anymore. If I'm having wine on a Sunday with lunch, I don't then continue drinking into the evening. Do you know what I mean? It's just little rules like that that I've I've put in that just has I mean the volume of alcohol I've, I've I'm ingesting is has cut down to to a significant degree to the point where it's not affecting my life in the way booze was before.
1: You call them little rules, but actually they're really important rules. And they are also um, the ones by which you can judge your progress. And if you don't, if you're trying to moderate and you don't have rules, it becomes impossible, right? Because I I used to do that. I'm going to drink less next week. And that was it. That was the only resolution I made. And then I made no rules to that and and didn't think about anything to do if I felt like a drink, what I would do instead. And so there was no wonder that I could never, ever learn to moderate because I could, I never learn to make rules and to keep to them and use them as a, a measure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. I think that's rules is part of it, but also I think, um, I mean, the word mindful is bandied around all day long by everyone now, isn't it? But being more mindful and um, a of the, of the benefits of not drinking of appreciating how good I feel, you know, or just how I feel a bit better on a Monday morning, if I didn't drink for a full eight hours on Sunday, you know, and appreciating that being aware of that, all, I was on holiday in Greece last week. So lots of rosé, lager, blah, blah, blah on holiday. But then by the middle of the week, I started feeling a bit crap, like a bit like just a bit low and a bit tired. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I felt amazing at the start of this holiday. And now I just feel a bit. Ugh. And I was like, I think it's booze. Maybe it's booze. So I just um, really, you know, I just went to bed early and didn't have anything to drink. And and guess what? I felt better the next day, unbelievably, Laura. You've no idea how the story's gonna end. But that's what turns out, turns out that drinking with lunch and dinner for like a period of days will make you feel a bit rubbish. And and know you might have made any
1: excuse for anything else. Oh, well, it's it's the heat.
0: And in my defence, though, in my defence, uh, younger me, like in my twenties, I could do that. I absolutely could go and did get pretty hammered every single day. I mean, I was back, back. You know, it was it was bonkers time, um, and I didn't, I didn't feel it in the same way. But I'm not that person. I'm I'm 45 now, and you know, my mental health is different. My body is is different, um, and I'm I'm trying to be more conscious of that.
1: But with the biggest je- drinking generation of women, you know, we we thought equality was smashing back the purple nastas at university in the same quantity as
0: the boys. Well, and what you're saying basically, Laura, is that I'm a pioneer and a hero. That's what I'm hearing. What you're saying no, is No, no, a- I'm I'm slightly older than you, so I think I'm the
1: pioneer and the hero. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. All right
0: everyone gets a medal for finishing the race <laughs> the, the, the drinking <laughs> race terrible and, and is
1: your husband on this journey with you does that make it a bit easier are you both like do you sit in the kitchen the evening and go well how many drinks have you had and how did that work and how did that feel and what's your husband? what's your rule I mean is this your new evening chatter
0: that's right we don't have sex anymore Laura we just talk about drinking yeah <laughs> no yeah we are we are I would say we are doing it together well, yeah, it was it was an issue for him as well, which is why he worked with Stephanie. And I think we both have sort of ups and downs in that. And we've been talking recently about how he struggles when I go on tour, when I go away on tour with the show, because he's here on his own and he's a bit bored. He hasn't got me judging him <laughs> from the corner of the room. So he finds it a bit too easy to slip into, oh, I'll have another beer, you know, because normally I go to bed quite early. And it's not that I make him go to bed with me. But when i'm here and there's two of us we, we both find it easy to follow good habits but then if i'm away on tour and he knows i'm having a curry after the show and a part of lager <laughs> as well and then that as you as you know any too well then that has a knock-on effect doesn't it because then you have two extra beers and again you may you're not going clubbing till 4 a.m but the next day you just feel a bit crap so you eat some crap food and then you feel worse and then you need another beer and then so he's trying to break that cycle so we do talk about it and um and the rule we have is that we're honest with each other um even if it's sort of uh yeah I did have six pints last night when I said I wasn't going to but then we talk about it and I try not to be too judgy uh, <laughs> and then we all move on with our lives
1: it sounds like some positive peer pressure rather than negative peer pressure so that's that's quite good in terms of your of that relationship and how that works I hope so you're supporting each other you're not jealous of each other or trying to catch each other out or trying to pressure each other to drink when you don't want to and that helps right
0: yes I think generally yeah we're, we're it's just about support and it's about listening having said that I'll be lying if I didn't say there are times where I've gone you're in a really rotten mood today and I think it's because you've been drinking too much and I don't think you're sleeping well enough and you're being a bit mean and I don't like it and uh he's not taking that very well because nobody likes to hear those things so yeah there, are like I said there are difficult difficult moments but it's what it is that's marriage and all isn't it
1: yeah that's true and um alcohol probably makes some of those difficult uh, moments worse and for a lot of people actually their relationships have been based a lot on drinking and so changing that can also change those dynamics quite a lot too so you know things don't all become perfect and rosy when you cut back or give up drinking you know there's another shit to deal with
0: absolutely yeah we've still got kids and a mortgage and a Tory government Do you know what I mean (laughs) life goes on
1: when you did the podcast how many episodes did you do and who did you talk to and who were the interesting people you talked to and what did you learn I want to you know I want you to basically digest the whole of your podcast series into, into a condensed bit.
0: So no one has to bother to listen to it. That's great.
1: We are definitely going to link to it. And, I, and it, it is an amazing series. And it's really good to be able to have that honest and unjudgmental conversation. So, but you have some great guests on, right?
0: Great guests. Uh, we just had a great producer, Laura Grimshaw, um, who's brilliant. And she uh, she said she learned a lot from it as well, which is always nice. But she was great at sort of helping me with that. So we had Laura. And then we had, so yes, yeah, so we had obviously yourself, Laura Willoughby, who was uh, amazing, uh, a woman called Jo Bevilacqua, who uh, she uh, has gone sober and I think moderates now. And so we, we talked to her about what that's like. And again, about being a mum and how, how it fits in with all that. We had Professor David Nutt who's written a brilliant book called drink which is all about what alcohol actually does to us the good things and the bad things uh, it's a fascinating book we have my friend Kat sims who is not so smug now on instagram so she's she went fully sober a couple of years ago so we talked about that and because talking to her i really wanted to talk to her about you know whether i should go sober because i know it's been really beneficial for her and she loves it so she was very illuminating
1: and then you talked to James Morris who um is an academic who we work with a lot who um writes a lot about moderation and stuff like that as well so
0: yeah exactly yeah and he was great and and i got sort of different things from each guest but also some things i wasn't expecting like there you know there wasn't judgment from the sober people and there or, or indeed the academic people um it it was just really interesting to learn how maybe we have it's okay to have different attitudes to alcohol because we're different people and we have different characteristics and different lifestyles and all of that factors in so it isn't a black and white issue which which i find comforting
1: it's legal and it's widely available it's not going away so it's better that we have an honest conversation than try and sort of assume that by badgering people somehow everyone will immediately stop and the whole of the alcohol industry will disband because i just don't think that's going to happen right it's uh, same with all drugs for that matter mm, but th- yeah. this is one that's that's legal and, and socially acceptable we have to work out how we live with these with all sorts of substances that surround us that can alter our mind and change us in different ways were there things that you heard over the process that podcast that have stuck with you and supported you in in moving forward in your changing
0: relationship mm. Lots of lots of different things. But honestly, a lot of the stuff Stephanie said, even and again, even though we worked together, even the stuff she said on the podcast still makes me think a lot to this day about think things about thinking about the truth about your drink. The the lies we tell it ourselves, not just as excuses to drink, but about what we're telling ourselves about. Uh, the effect drink has on us. You know, Stephanie said this really interesting thing about, you know, that that first drink is is great, isn't it? It's always really nice. But the, you're never going to top the first drink. So do you really need the second one, the third one? And by the time you get to sort of number eight, uh, you know, what, what, what are we doing here?
1: It's actually a really important strategy. I think by the time I needed to, to stop drinking, it was too late for me to have those conversations with myself. I'd been drinking too much too quickly too often, so I could absolutely smash it back. Yes. But if you can get to that point where you're having those conversations really early, where you've learned to have two alcohol-free drinks at the start of the evening so you can assess whether you do want to drink and all of those sorts of things, if you can implement good habits early on, then you can probably keep alcohol in its place a lot easier and a lot better.
0: Totally. And I totally hear you. And I didn't want to go down that road. And I was very aware that that was a possibility. If I kept, if I had kept on drinking at the level I was drinking, I think I would have absolutely gone into proper, serious, like life-ruining addiction. And that's one of the reasons I started talking to Stephanie, because I didn't want to go down that road and I'm sure that that would have happened.
1: You saw the warning signs and you took action and it's really difficult to sometimes do that because there's been a stigma around if you seek help it must mean you've got a problem and at the minute a problem is you're an alcoholic or you're not and there seems to be this invisible line but that doesn't actually exist that's not how it Alcohol works, it's all very individual, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It wasn't it wasn't affecting my job, you know, it wasn't affecting sort of generally my my ability to function on a day to day basis. It, but it was making me a bit unhappy and a bit worried. And I could see, yeah, I could see myself going down going down that path. So I was like, well, let's let's row back a bit. But I, I completely understand that for some people it's just not and again, I know, I know people who are sober who are just like, I I couldn't do that I couldn't have two or three drinks and then stop you know I've got a family member with ad- addiction now and he ca- he just can't he cannot have a couple of pints regardless of the situation family dinners funerals you know football matches he cannot stop after after two or three drinks and I'm sure that would have happened to me if I carried on yes
1: Professor David that's a bit of a hero of mine and you know he's really good at all the science of it did he wake you up did he make you realize how much it affects your brain
0: yeah, his book, his book is amazing and to talk to as well. He was really amazing. Yeah, in terms of, I mean, we all know that alcohol's bad for us, right? But to, to actually read the statistics and read about things like breast cancer and all that stuff, and you kind of go, okay. And there's no, you know, he doesn't dress it up at all. But I love that he, again, he's also honest about that that drinking is nice um, for some of us and, and what, what it does. And I think it's good to be honest about that and to understand that, because once you do, you can then start looking at well, where else can I get that from? Right. Where else can I get that feeling? Because, again, the price of that, if you're using alcohol to get that is is quite high. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a really good way to put it, actually, that the price of getting that feeling is is quite high on a personal level. And also, I also think the science helps when because we've got to combat a lot of magical thinking that's come from all sorts of cultural norms. Like, you know, the idea that alcohol makes you happy or that you should uh, uh, drown your sorrows. All of these things that we've actually generationally been brought up with about alcohol that aren't true. They don't, it doesn't make you more
0: creative. It really doesn't. I've I've written jokes while well drunk and they are not funny jokes. They really does not make you more creative. I know that hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it does, it doesn't actually deal with anxiety. It just there was some anxiety there in that moment, but it actually helps create more anxiety, and it doesn't help you sleep, right? And so, what's your next series of sort my shit out, or sort your shit out, sort everyone's shit out, all the shit, all of it,
0: <laughs> sort sort every shit out. And um, it's well, I think uh, we're still working it out, and we're working out the guests and all that stuff. But I think it's going to be uh, about overwhelm and about burnout and about the mental load and again it comes back to when i started exploring my drinking with stephanie and looking at why i drank um one of the things that i realized was that um like well i would say pretty much every middle-aged woman and probably person i know I sort of have a list of stuff in my head all the time, right, that I have to do and I have to get done. And I can find it quite hard to relax because I can go and sit on the sofa and then my brain goes, but you haven't put a wash on and you haven't got the sausages out of the freezer for tomorrow. And did you check to see if that Amazon package is behind the bin? And it does all that. Whereas when I, I drink, it it shuts that voice down. It does stop that voice. But but then, of course, through, through the stuff I did with Stephanie, I realise that, again, that... that it's like anxiety, isn't it? It, it? it it shuts off the voice in that moment. And yes, all right, you might have a pleasant evening watching the telly, but then the next morning the to-do list is still there. But now you have possibly a hangover and more anxiety and nothing's been done.
1: I think it's really exciting that you picked a podcast to and to share that journey with people, because I think it's a really powerful thing to do. And I'm hoping that other people might think about, you know, broadcasting and sharing in other ways as well I wondered if you could maybe talk a little bit about some top tips if if anyone wanted to do a podcast might where they start because that might be something that somebody could do with their newfound time that they have if they're sober or wanting to pick up a new interest where might they start with that
0: I mean I think you can you can overthink it I think you make it as hard or as easy as as you want we're quite lazy scum on scummy mummy so we just have one microphone (laughs) We have a Blue Yeti mic, which I think you can pick up for about 100 quid, um, plugged into my laptop. And then I use a program called Audacity, which I think is free to download. I use that to record the podcast. And that's sort of it, to be honest. And then I edit them myself. And I guess that would be a top tip. I personally, people may disagree. I personally think you should edit your podcast. Partly because I think for the listener, it's more interesting if you bothered to cut out some of the boring bits. We all repeat ourselves, right? Or we all, you know, I think it's more interesting. But also I think when you're recording, it makes you, or it makes me anyway, feel a bit freer. Because I know if I do say something daft or repeat myself, I can just cut it out later. So I'm not overthinking what I'm saying. Having said that, I know lots of people like really long podcasts and like it to all feel natural i think and and don't like if you listen to the very first scummy mummies episodes you can tell that we're we're not quite sure what 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 it is we sort of think we're on woman's hour do you know what i mean (laughs) sort of trying to do bbc voices and serious chat and i think um i think don't be afraid to just start it even if you don't really know what it is or what you want it to be and let it evolve and eventually it just sort of emerges itself i feel like yeah and we look forward to your next series always lovely to talk to you and thank you because stuff like club sober it does i love that it's not just for people who are sober and i love that i feel welcome in it as well and that you give a shit about what i have to say as well it's very it's very gratifying thank you very much for having me
1: what strikes me most about my interview with ellie is that despite having a big following in her scrummy mummy's podcast and having a visible and public career writing and broadcasting that she was not afraid to put her journey out there for everyone else to hear and benefit from. What was the worst that could happen? Trying something new, exploring interests you thought were for other people, they are all there for you now. So don't be afraid, just go for it. Scrummy Mummies are on tour and have more dates coming up across the country in 2023 and 2024. You can find the dates on scrummymummies.com and they are on Instagram at scrummy mummies. And then join us over the next few weeks as we hear more stories of brave decisions, new hobbies, failures and successes. Finally, don't forget to visit us at the Club Soda Tasting Rooms in Drury Lane in London or shop from us on joinclubsoda.com. Christmas is coming and we've got some great bundles, gift sets and other things to help you over the festive season. And then you can follow all news about events and everything else at joinclubsoda.com.